Residents, when you're looking for your job, remember, you're in control. Make sure you hit up Provider Solutions and Development. They are the experts in holistic career coaching with exclusive access to hundreds of jobs nationwide. Hit them up at info.psdconnect.org forward slash docs outside the box. Let's go. Three, two, one. You ready to pod? Ready. All right, everyone, this is Dr. Nee. I'm also joined by Dr. Renee. Yo, welcome to another episode of Docs Outside the Box. This is going to be an episode with both of us. We're going to be chatting, talking about a whole bunch of different things that are not really related to, I guess, well, we don't talk about clinical medicine really on this show, but we got a little bit of a thing that's going on right now with the Olympics going on. We got athletes who are talking about their mental health and... There is a really interesting article that I found on, or is it an article or I guess blog post written by someone on Kevin MD's mm-hmm. website that I thought was really interesting. Basically, if Simone Biles were a doctor, would she be vilified and praised? Mm-hmm. So that's going to be something interesting to talk about on this episode. But yeah. listen, 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 listen. Before we jump into that, we got to talk about some things. We got some things that we got to get in order. As always, I just want to say thank you everyone for listening to the show, subscribing to the show, leaving a review that is so huge on the show, as well as telling other people about the show. So listen, I guess, so what I found out was that there's actually a change in the algorithm. It's no longer, you know, reviews are what's going to change the algorithm. Although I appreciate everyone. I love it. But it's also how many people are subscribed on their respective podcast app. Yeah. Makes sense. So basically everyone who's listening to this show Please make sure you're sharing this with people, but also at the same time, if you're not subscribed to this show, and what I mean by that is that you just kind of have it on your list, but you're not really subscribed to it. If you're on a iPhone and then also if you're on an Android phone, do whatever you need to do, but basically subscribe to the show so that we can continue to rise up on the rankings. The highest that we got this past month, we got as high as like number 50 in the career section. All right. On Apple Podcasts. So, the producer. Yo, I need sound effects for real. I mean, you keep saying that, but we don't ever get it. Yo, the person who's editing the show, please put some sound effects in here right now. At this moment, right now, put sound effects right now. <laughs> I hope they can do it, yo. I hope they can do it. Um, but listen, yo. Right now, I just want to read a review. I always appreciate reviews. Like, that is the social proof for the show that lets people know that, listen, they enjoy the show, but they want to take it a step further and let me know, let us know what they think. What they think, yeah. Right? Because, I mean, it's no fun just recording the show and not knowing what people feel. Absolutely. Let's read this. This one is from Myra W. Myra W. gave us five stars. She says, great show. Recently discovered this show. I can't wait to dive into more episodes. Thank you for these real and insightful stories from real docs. Yeah. So I'm talking about Myra. Thank you so much for letting us know. Listen, what you need to do is if you're listening to this episode, please go ahead and write me in and let me know where I can contact you so I can set you up for our 15 minute, 30 minute discussion on anything related to your finances, anything on if you want to be a doc outside the box, if you just want to shoot the shit, whatever you want to do and talk about, let me know so we can set up a some type of meeting or... I could send you some, you know, Docs Outside the Box t-shirts or something like that. So Merch. 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 Which we're working on. We already got merch, but we're working on making it better. So, yeah. 
<sighs> need better merch. We need better merch. We do. But listen, we're going through this process. We're getting better. You know, we taking things step by step. Step by step. We got some good things also coming up the ranks. We got a podcast course. Boop, boop, boop. Ten steps to podcasting. So listen, everyone, for the past, I'd say what, almost three years now, mm-hmm. for the past three years, I've been taking different doctors, different medical professionals through the journey of podcasting. So many people want to jump on podcasting right now. It's not too late. It's really the opportunity to express yourself, to build community, to let people know like what you think about as a physician. It's really an opportunity to kind of have an effect on people outside of the hospital walls. Mm-hmm. It's a way to increase, you know, people coming to your hospital or clinic. It's a way to, you know, just kind of drive revenue, even if you want that, if you're looking for that. Um, but yeah, I've been doing it for the past three and a half years yeah. and I've been kind of low key doing it, not letting people or broadcasting a lot of people to know, hey, I'm coaching people, but now I'm ready to do it. Yeah, it's about time. <laughs> <laughs> it's about time. I'm like, you know, what's great about the podcasting course is that it's not just, you know, well, I'm a doctor and I want to talk about doctor things, yeah, right? But you're biased though. Well, anyway, but what's great about it is that you've, coached people through talking about things outside of medicine or peripherally related to medicine. So you can, like I always say, right? Doctors are not one trick ponies and a lot are a lot are, but they don't have to be. We got to keep it real though. right? We got to keep it real. Right. So yes, I do agree that doctors tend to be one trick ponies. What I mean by that they're not is that They don't have to be one trick ponies. Doctors obviously know more about other things than just medicine. And so what's nice about the podcasting course is that they can talk about anything that they're interested in, fashion, music, you know, whatever, life, children, you know, it's so it's a great way to get your voice out there and to be able to do things that you're still passionate about, but that aren't necessarily related to medicine. So word up. Yeah. So sign up for the course, everybody. Great course. You're going to tell them how to sign up for the course at the end of this episode? Go to Docs Who Podcast. That's it. D-O-C-S Who Podcast. <laughs> well, you just like, you didn't give them a reason to stay until the end of the episode. They don't need a reason to stay. Like, they, look, we carry the show. We know what, listen, <laughs> if you want to stay and listen to what else we got to say, you know it's going to be, it's going to entertain you. It's gonna I was going to make it like a little them. Nah, man, egg. we don't need all that stuff. We don't need to like tease them or anything like that. Check out Docs Who Podcast, D-O-C-S Who Podcast.com. <laughs> That's it. Sign up for the podcast, man, or the podcast course. Come on. Let's move on. Listen, everyone, I'm excited about this. I'm proud about this. I'm taking people through this. Listen, man, we got eight and a half hours of video content. We're taking you step by step on how to go from your idea that you always thought about with your podcast all the way to starting your podcast. I give you the blueprint. I give you the blueprint. Are you yelling? I give you the blueprint on um, how to do your first episode and your second episode. But listen, this podcast is dope. Go to Docs Who Podcast to learn more about it. That's all I'm going to say about this. Hey, aren't you tired of someone telling you what to do in residency? Like what time to be at the hospital, when you can leave. For some reason, you're always wondering when you're going to get a golden weekend. Hey, look, now is the time for you to take control. When it's time to start looking for your job, make sure you hit up our sponsor, Provider Solutions and Development. They are the experts in holistic career coaching with exclusive access to hundreds of jobs nationwide. Now, look, We rock with them here at Docs Outside the Box. 
because they empower docs just like you to one, find a place you really want to be at. And number two, start making decisions with you at the center. How's that for a change? Whatever you're ready for next, they'll help you find it with no quotas, no commissions to get in the way. So look, start flexing those control muscles and hit them up at info.psdconnect.org forward slash docs outside the box. Next topic is, yo, we got to give a shout out to Robin Fenty. Who is Robin Fenty? Also known as Bad Girl Riri. Also known as Rio. Ella, 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 A, A. Yo. So did you see the, you didn't, I don't know if you saw, but the Forbes article just recently came out. I don't know when this episode is going to come out, but when I saw this, this was about two days ago, the episode or the podcast, or sorry, excuse me, the what am I talking about? The Forbes (laughs) article came out. You're so excited about Riri. I think it's dope. I think it's dope. Uh, so what the did article, the Forbes article say about article, and Robin I can't find, Fenty? I can't find it right now. See, that's why we need a screen man or woman who can control this. But basically, she is the second entertainer, woman entertainer, to go over the billion mark. So the first is Oprah. One Oprah. billion dollars. Yeah, the second is Oprah. Well, the first is Oprah. Yes. But Rihanna, she went over the billion dollar mark, which was confirmed by Forbes. So they put out their article. Very good. <sighs> So all of the money basically was made the over the last... The Cajun Spice. Yeah, like all of the money was made literally over the last four years. Hey, listen. <laughs> See, just like I say, right? Doctors don't have to be one-trick ponies. Entertainers don't have to be one-trick ponies, so, right? Yes. I'm sure she didn't make a billion dollars off of all the songs that she was it's saying. It's not even close. Right. It's not even close. So the music that she made is literally like, say, like 10%, 20% yeah, of, her, of, her, of her net wealth. The rest is all from this combination of her creating this company with LVMH. Um, if you guys don't know, it's a huge conglomerate of fashion um, as well as cosmetics. It's mm-hmm. owned by, I think, the second richest person in the world. But basically, they formed this cosmetic company, Fenty. I forget the name of it, but basically, Rihanna owns half of it. The other half is owned by LVMH. And they start off by making cosmetics that had multiple shades mm-hmm. for a very diverse population. So rather than have like maybe three or four shades, right. they had over 30 shades mm-hmm. of cosmetics. That's what I'm reading. Yeah. And that was something that was unlike any other cosmetic company yeah. out there. Absolutely. And I mean, the first year, I think she made like 500 million or the company made 500 million, which was a huge success. And then it beat out Kim Kardashian's company. It beat out Kendall Jenner's company that... You know, these people have like a huge already like audience. Right. Not to say that she doesn't have a huge audience, but right. like this, they already had a head start already. Mm-hmm. So for her to catch up and to already be a billionaire yeah, is dope. And so just want to say shout out to Rihanna for that, because that gives me, I don't know, that gives me like. That gives you hope. You could be a billionaire hope. too. Yeah, I could be a billionaire yeah. in, in the game of cosmetics. Yeah. Yeah, no. But in the game <laughs> in the game of whatever you want to do, just to let you know that like I think the big thing to take away from this is, you know, for folks who don't believe that there is positivity, there is something to be gained from diversity mm-hmm. or at least catering to diverse yep. cultures. <laughs> she just became a billionaire. Yep. Just because she recognized that guess what? Her and the there's company. a need. Yeah, her and the right. company. She, right. You know, there's a need out there. And if you 
are exclusionary, then you are excluding yourself probably from a lot of capital as well. Yeah, I think it's been shown in so many different ways from being in the NFL, having more coaches from diverse backgrounds Mm -hmm. to just having more diverse, you know, just comments, diverse people on boards, having, you know, just whatever it is, having people from diverse backgrounds overall helps that company, helps that organization to think better, to bring in more revenue, to just basically be more marketable to more diverse folks and to bring in more revenue. So. The fact that she was able to do that and recognize that in 2017 mm-hmm. and just to continue to keep growing and growing and growing. And now, you know, people are wondering when she's going to come out with an album. It's just right. going to be like, yeah, why? Why would she do that? Yeah, you know, absolutely. Why would yeah. she do that? So anything else you want to say about that? No, I'm just uber proud of her. I could definitely say that I certainly did not see this coming. She does listen to no, Robin Fenty don't listen to no daggone outside the box. You better tag her on Instagram <laughs> so she can listen to the show. But anyway, um, and, and Fenty can sponsor the show. Yo, they, what's up with that? Yo, Fenty, LVMH, come sponsor saying, the show. Sponsor the show. Give us like a five year contract. Let's do this show. Exactly. Come on, come on Robin. We bring, <laughs> we bring so many people to the table, LVMH. <laughs> Rihanna, we give a voice to everyone. Come on, hook us up, man. No, but I really am uber proud of her. I can definitely say that 10 years ago, you know, I saw her on a morning show once and she was singing Umbrella. Um, That's actually, I think, the first time I ever saw her, like, perform something, even though I had been listening to her on the radio. But I can say I never saw this coming for her. So that she has really evolved to this point. Listen, you go, girl. Nobody ever sees these things coming. Like even with so Jay Z is a part partial owner of this. Mm-hmm. I was actually shocked. I did not know that. I thought Beyonce would be like number two or number three, but I don't know where she is fits on that list. But anyway, Jay Z partly owns this right. organization or this mm-hmm. company has some some that's stake, not surprising some stake in this. But even Jay Z, like I just remember like catching a bus, taking the twenty five, and listening to yeah. Reasonable Doubt, yeah, and hearing him Over. rap, and to go from that. <laughs> let me hear that again. How's Over. It go? To go from that to where he's at right now is you don't envision these you things. Really don't. You really don't. Oh, man, you really don't. But I think what ends up happening is, is that there are certain people who recognize that, like, yo, like what I do primarily in terms of, you know, making music or, mm-hmm. you know, producing something for other people where I only get, like, if, if my IP drives, you know, the revenue, but... I only get a portion of that, mm-hmm. that this is not sustainable. Right. And I think that they have come to the table and they've realized it. I mean, Nas, Nas and KD, and I forget who else have, um, you know, Coinbase. You probably don't know Coinbase. No. But Coinbase is this huge marketplace that's made it a lot easy for people to purchase Bitcoin. Okay. Right. And back in 2013, 2014, nobody heard of you know, Bitcoin. Bitcoin, really. So, mm-hmm. you know, they put a bunch of money in and now like they're like tripling, quadrupling their money, their yeah. investment money. So all of these people, you know, from, you know, I would say historically type of situations where they get the what's the word I want to use where they get pilfered, mm-hmm. where they get they get the short end of the stick, music, artists, books, what, books, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. They've kind of they're learning that, hey, like. If you're driving the IP, then, you know, I should really be driving how things are being sold. I should be driving, you know, control. And using my likeness and image to be able to get 
ahead. Yeah. Your reputation. Yeah. Yeah. And the capital that you make with that to yeah. even get you even further. So listen, you know, you know me already. I'm a big fan of my show. <laughs> <laughs> I think my show is dope. But listen. Well, somebody should. The guests that I've had on my show, they're doing big things. What are they doing? They're doing real big things. Who? So I don't know if you remember, but Hella Sidibe. Yeah. Hella Good, episode 214. Mm -hmm. So Hella Sidibe or Hella Good, he is a gentleman who lives in New Jersey who has decided that, you know, he wanted to run every day and has not stopped. And he hasn't run. I remember that. He hasn't stopped running for over the past four and a half years. Super inspiring. I, mean, I do guy, that with sleep. Yeah, you do that with sleep. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's uh, that's talent. Right? That's talent. It's really not. <laughs> but check out episode two fourteen to learn about him. But my man has not stopped running for the past four years. He's averaging about seven seven and a half miles, and he's documenting his journey and this whole process on YouTube. And he's really been inspiring a lot of people to get into this thing called streak running. But that's really inspiring. But he took it to the next step. He talked about it on the show that he was considering running across America. Yeah. And when he said that, I was like, ah, whatever. And then literally like two months later, he, he started showing himself on Instagram, getting the van. He got sponsored by Gymshark and all these different things. And my man did it. Two ran months ago, he completed America. He started in Los Angeles and he went from Los Angeles and ran every day all the way across the United States. He took the Southern route right, and then made it all the way to New York. And his plan was to do it in 100 days or less. What did he do it in? My man did it in 84 days. Woo! I might be wrong. Maybe either 84 or 81 days. He was running pretty fast. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. my gosh. Yeah, he did it. Wow. And, um, overall. That's amazing. That's a lot of dedication, for real. Yeah. He said that, you know, there's just things that he said that he was not prepared for. Mm -hmm. So, you know, because New Jersey is pretty flat and it has some mountains here and there or some hills. The things that he wasn't ready for was going from Los Angeles and going into the, mm -hmm. um, you know, the mountains and it's all uphill. And he wasn't right. prepared for that. There's nothing you could do that could prepare you for that. Right. Um, but he survived and he did it. Wow. And then at the end, when he crossed the finish line in New York. He collapsed. Because <laughs> I'm collapsing just thinking about it. <laughs> just as bad. He proposed to his... <laughs> He proposed to his. He went crazy. He went proposed. crazy and proposed to his his uh, girlfriend Alexa oh, Torres. That's sweet. Who literally should get a lot of credit because she's the one who videos him. She's the one mm -hmm. who gave him the idea to go ahead and record all of these different things and put it on YouTube. So there is a lot of credit that she deserves, and she's been there for him from day one. Oh, that's nice. That's a very sweet story. And I think the other reason I want to, I'm just going to say this really quick. Docs, the reason why I want y'all to listen to this episode, the reason why I interviewed him was there was a point where he wanted to be a professional soccer player. Couldn't get it done because of his visa issues. He's from Mali, West Africa. Mm -hmm. Couldn't get his visa issues in order and just was working at a limousine company, like doing some type of computer database type things. And then on the side, he was coaching people, like getting them in shape. And then because... You know, he hated running so much as part of his training for soccer. He decided to start running. And then all of a sudden he realized that this really wasn't for him. Mm -hmm. And he started running and he started liking it. And then all of a sudden he just took a shot and he just said, I want to do this all the time. And I want to put all my effort into creating YouTube videos and coaching people. And then he started to notice slowly but surely that the amount of money that he was making from coaching and the mm -hmm. amount of money he was getting from YouTube was getting very close, close to how much together, he was making yeah. from working. Mm -hmm. And he decided to just put working to the wayside and work for himself. So 
if you guys are interested in this, I would say check out episode 214. Yeah. So. That's a pretty good episode. Yeah. Hold up. Before we continue to all my day ones, and you know each and every one of you who you are, thank you for rolling with the show from Jump. And to the new listeners, welcome. What's good? Where y'all been? I want y'all to stay a while. All right. So look, I'm trying to build a community here and I need your help. So with whatever app you're listening to this show right now, I want you to click the subscribe button. Then I want you to go over to Apple Podcasts and I want you to rate and review the show. And you may be asking, how does this help? The way how it helps is by helping the show to grow and rise up in the rankings so that it's easier for new people to discover the show. Now, what's in it for you is at least once a week, I'm going to be going through these reviews. I'm going to pick a lucky reviewer and I'm going to give that person an opportunity to have a 15 minute session with me where we could talk about anything from personal finance, getting your money right to just shooting the you know what about the show. So listen, remember, all I need you to do is subscribe and then rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts. Let's get on with the episode. Peace. And then another dope guest that we've had on the show. We got to go further back, but shout out to Farnoosh Tarabi. Ooh, you know, we love Farnoosh. You don't even know what what we say. Wait, slow down. No, but we love Farnoosh. Yeah, we do love her. Every time we go over the bridge, well... When we used to go over the bridge, when she the lived Williamsburg in Bridge, yeah, when she lived in Brooklyn, you used to think that you could see her through her window, yeah, but yeah. you didn't quite know where she lived. So, yeah, but you're not supposed to tell people about that stalker right. type. Please. And then let's you move would on. say that she yeah, was playing the piano. Yeah, let's move on. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Farnoosh Tarabi, host of the very popular So Money podcast, which she's been doing since 2000, late 2015, all about personal finance. She was on episode 53 of our podcast. We were on her podcast. I can't remember what episode we were, but we had her on our podcast. But the good news about her is she actually just licensed her show on CNET. Wow. Which is a huge deal. They get yeah. about 100 million viewers on their website on a, I can't how how often it is, but Red Circle and CNET has decided to partner up with her and license her show to them. Wow. So what that means is, is they get to be able to own some of the licensing rights of her podcast. Obviously, she's going to get, you know, a certain amount of money from that, but she retains ownership of her show. She gets to continue to do her show. It's just that now it's associated with CNET for mm-hmm. a short period of time. And that's another thing, guys, about ownership, you know, talking and owning your own thing. She created something. She teamed up with mm-hmm. an organization. They're going to flip the bill for certain things, but the show is still her. She gets right. to create a whole bunch of different things. So what's your thoughts? thoughts, no, thoughts, thoughts I love that. I love that. First of all, I love the fact that she gets to retain the rights to her own show, right? Because yeah. we've kind of seen that go south with a couple of other shows where they didn't actually retain the rights to their show or they they actually got rid of their own shows or stopped doing their own shows to be able to do another show for another network. And then that goes south. So I love the fact that she actually licensed her show rather than, you know, sold her entire show and all of, you know, all of her creative rights to CNET and Red Circle. So good for her. Good yeah, for her. Yeah, it's dope. It's dope. So um, I finished her episode where she talked about it, but she's going to be employed by them, though. So which mm-hmm. is what she's looking for. She said that, she, you know, obviously she's been self-employed for so long. Right. Um, she is going to be employed. She's got to fill out a W-2. She's got to get a 401k, but she's working in an organization that 
you know, there's a bunch of people that she respects. Um, and also at the same time, she gets to work and continue to produce her podcast. And they're going to pay her for it. Yeah, they're going to pay her for that. That's so. not bad. That's not bad. I mean, I kind of I don't know. What do you think about, you know, things like this, right? Farnoosh Tarabi licensing her show versus, you know, physicians selling their practices to to hospital systems. So it's tough, right? Because I think that the world is like really closing in. The healthcare world is closing in on private practice doctors. Mm-hmm. And as they get less and less revenue, right, it's really hard to continue to make revenue and pay, you know, your staff. And they got mouths to feed. They got kids, possibly. They got 401ks that need to be funded. funded mm-hmm. And you got the lights to turn on. And then at the end, you still got to get paid. Right. And if less and less people are coming to your clinic because these huge hospitals are building clinics around your own independently owned clinic, what else are you to do? Mm-hmm. You know, so in that situation, I don't know. I don't know what to do in that situation. I think that, you know, it's really tough to say, I'm just going to stay independent when you're losing your revenue source. The thing that I have an issue with is, is with the practices that are selling to like, uh, what is it? The private equity firms, Mm -hmm. the hedge funds and so forth. That is the part that I have a problem with because what ends up happening is the people at the top, the doctors at the top, like the partners who have owned the organization for a long period of time or the the practice for a long period of time, they get, they get taken care of. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like they get taken care of, they usually get bought out and then they create these circumstances that everybody else has to abide by, but they're not there anymore. Right. So maybe increasing of work hours. So the way how this works, people, residents who are listening is you sell your practice or your partner sell a practice to a private equity firm. The private equity firm is owned by shareholders. Right. Before a private equity firm purchases a practice, they've kind of done all the research on this practice. They know what's coming in, they know what's coming out, and they know the profits that are going to occur at the end. Mm-hmm. But the only way in which this type of deal can occur is the private equity firm has to always get a guaranteed set of profit at the end. Right. right? They always have to get a guaranteed profit at the end. That's it. So you know what that means. That means that they are coming into this practice to literally cut the fat. And in return for providing a whole bunch of, I'd say, uh, uh, money or inflow of cash into the practice, the practice becomes more quote unquote efficient, right? So the computer (laughs) system gets better. The EMR system gets better. Maybe the way in which they intake patients, they get more medical assistance. Maybe the front gets more uh, upgraded and so Mm -hmm. forth. But that's all to trying to increase profits, trying to make things efficient. And as a result, possibly, you know, Mm -hmm. if you're a physician or if you're a medical practitioner or a healthcare practitioner, you have to work more hours. Right. Right. You have to take more call. Right. There may be less practitioners who are there because they may quit or what have you. And or they may decide, you know what, we don't need this many yes. practitioners. Right. And we can pay, you know, we can pay an advanced practice practitioner less than a doctor. And so now they've cut you. They've cut, you know, several other doctors bringing an MP, a PA. And then the doctors who remain, you know, still see the number of patients they're going to see. And, oh, by the way, you got to sign the notes for the PA. (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy. So all of this occurs, right? And the private equity firm still gets their profit at Mm -hmm. the end. Whatever happens at the end, it's all in the priority of making sure the private equity firm gets their money. So that's how it works. So in one sense, it helps the private practice. In the other sense, it's one of those 
type of deals that you're making with the devil. Right. So that's the one I have a problem with. Okay. You know? That's the one I have a problem with. Okay. But ultimately, I think the tea leaves are on the wall, yo. I think the tea leaves are on the wall. I think doctors really need to think about how What does how that mean? The tea leaves are on the wall? What? I don't oh, know what you're talking about. The tea leaves are on a tree? You're real fancy. I don't have... I have no clue what you're... What tea leaves? Okay. Well... <laughs> What does that mean? All right. I'm really bad at like these terms and all those things. Colloquialism. But I've never heard anybody say anything about tea leaves. Right. All right. This is my show. So you're not supposed to call me out on my show. Yeah. Well, then don't have me on. (laughs) So listen, Doc. Now, skill. Now, listen, (laughs) listen, Docs. I think that it's it's out there that the way in which we're normally used to practicing the the things that you kind of expected before you got into medical school and what's happening now is you really got to stay up to par with what's Mm -hmm. going on. You need to know what's going on and you need to be able to think about changing the way in which you practice, thinking about how you practice medicine in a different light than what you thought prior to getting to. Yeah. At some point we do need to. We probably do need to have an episode on what you thought medicine was going to be and what it really is. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Listen, <laughs> that's another that's another show for another day. Let's jump into this article that I saw on Kevin MD. It's written by a very I'd say a very seasoned doctor. I'm not going to put his name out there, but I looked him up on LinkedIn and, uh, you know, he's been in the game since I think the late or the early 80s. OK, but he wrote an article that said. If Simone Biles were a doctor, she would be vilified, not praised. Obviously, this is in response to Simone Biles being at the Olympics Mm -hmm. and deciding to bow out from the team exercises as well as the individual exercises, mainly because of mental health reasons. Right. Um, Actually, one of the interviews, she said that she had to twist these when she's up in the air, which means that she doesn't quite have like the proprioception or doesn't have really... She just wasn't all together. And as you know, like you're up in the air, they're doing all these backflips, somersaults. You know, there's a possibility they could hurt themselves. And she bowed out because she just wasn't feeling right. So this has been met with a lot of praise on social media and in the general media. But also there's been fair share of negative comments also. Mm -hmm. Like she couldn't hack it. Why are we giving so much praise and a whole bunch of different things? So this blog talked about it. And one of the things he said is despite the intense pressure of medical practice, the culture of medicine does not appear to be as forgiving as the world of sports. Appear to be. is not. <laughs> Given this perspective, it is reasonable to ask, riding the wave of Naomi Osaka and Simone Biles' effect, the phenomenon of athletes choosing their well-being over rules and schedules that may not serve them. Will the onerous aspects of the practice of medicine change? Can self-preservation trump outdated traditions that medical students and residents should suffer in order to instill character in them? A good first start is to dispel such antiquated thinking and make the issue public. I've been encouraged by the many practitioners who have recently opened up about their struggles with mental illness and substance use and have documented their experience in medical journals and social media outlets. Dr. Renee, what say you about this? What say you about Simone Biles? What say you about doctors if they decided to do the Simone Biles effect? Can they do it and get away with it? Talk to me. Well, you know, I think everything surrounding Simone Biles, like I have not publicly made a comment about Simone Biles because for me, while she is a public figure, this is a private decision. You know, at the end of the day, if Simone Biles feels that she needs 
a break or that she needs to do whatever she needs to do in order to optimize her ability to do something that is considered ultimately a job for her, then who am I to say, you know, yay or nay? I mean, that is her own private decision. And I think that that is the same with doctors. I think it's your own private decision that if you feel that you are burnt out, if you if you have depression or anxiety or any other mental health issue that you are facing and you need time to be able to face that, then who are we to say yay or nay or you can't hack it or you can't? For me, I'm just like everybody wants to have an opinion on, you know, people's mental health. I'm like, you can't do that. And medicine is Rot. What about when that decision affects like your colleagues or affects patients or like in the world of sports, the only thing that I said was, and I didn't put it out publicly, but I think the only people who should have had an issue were those who were in the team exercises, right? Because, I don't think anybody should have had an issue. Well, I, the reason I say that is because the ability to get a gold medal, silver medal, you can't or get a bronze, gold medal if her, if one of your teammates is not in the game. Okay, but I'm just saying that it affects them, right? Mm-hmm. We do agree that it does affect them in of some form it or does. fashion, right? Whether or not they should have an opinion, I'm just saying that it does affect them in that fashion, or maybe their coaches, right? Mm-hmm. Her coaches who've, you know put out a lot of time to coach her and so forth. And they're compensated, right? So it's not anything like that. Right. I mean, that's pretty much it. I thought that those are the only people maybe who could say something, obviously in Simone Biles. But when I say they can say something, it's literally is their opinion. It's not like they can force her to come back out. I don't even, honestly, I don't even think your teammates need to have an opinion on it, except to say that, okay, if you need that time, then you need that time. Because listen, oh, we could have won a gold medal. How do you know you could win a gold medal when the person is literally telling you, I don't feel right. Well, she didn't look right. Apparently, she didn't look right, like, even in the Olympic trials. She didn't look right in the beginning. Actually, there was a couple of people or a couple of news reports when she was in the Olympics, and they were just like, she doesn't look right. So, actually, if she stayed in the team exercises, they think that they would have got a bronze or maybe even worse. But that's what I'm saying, right? That's what I'm saying. A lot of times people are like, oh, well, you know, they have this opinion about, you know, she could have and this, that. And I'm like, the point is that you don't know that this person would have been able to optimally perform. That's the whole point, right? And so now, because you feel good, you want to basically tell this person that they need to feel good. And it's like, no, like you can't do that. You are not this person. So when you ask me the question about, well, what about colleagues, right? Like if I have an OBGYN colleague who is not well, and I, I will tell you, actually, I did have that case. I had an OBGYN colleague who was not well, who clearly was not well. We thought this person might have COVID, but had tested negative, whatever, and was having fevers. And so this person decided not to go home. Now, this is a pretty busy hospital, and we were both on at the same time. Why? Because you need two providers because this place is so darn busy, right? So what ends up happening? So he doesn't go home. He stays at work. He ends up staying in the call room all night long, like daggone Lionel Richie. Okay, and who ends up doing the brunt of the work? Me. So I'm just like, I don't even know why he's here. Why is he here? Just go home and get somebody else to come in who can actually work because now I'm actually suffering more because he's here. So you prefer basically what you're saying is you prefer for him to just go home. Yes, I would have preferred for him to just bow out. 
you know, and then potentially get somebody who actually could work an able-bodied person. So I think it's the same thing with Simone Biles. You know, you bow out because you are not optimized. You're not your able-bodied self so that you could actually get a chance at winning the gold. Yeah, Do you want is, somebody who's subpar? Yeah, no. this is. I'm looking at this study right now. It was in WebMD, actually. Well, WebMD didn't put out the study, but it says doctors' suicide rate is highest of any profession. This is back in 2018. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think we, well, I would hope that we all know that. I don't know that pre-meds know that, but I would hope that by the time people go through medical school, residency, that they do know that. And I think that that's one of the reasons that it's so very important for us to start, just like the author in the article said, you know, we have to be more empathetic. We have to be more forgiving of these things. So what, what do you think, though? So wait, the last thing I want to say is, so he also, there was a study that came out, you can find it on PubMed, that said that, whoa, the summary estimates the prevalence of depression and depressive symptoms among medical students was 27.2%. I believe that. And that of suicidal ideation was 11.1%. I absolutely believe so, that. You know, I think that if this was Simone Biles as a doctor, I oh, think it. I think that she would be vilified, especially if she came out publicly and talked. Mm-hmm. I think that she would be vilified. Now, here's the thing that I am very interested to talk about is if you are a physician or if you are a medical student or anybody along the spectrum, how do you decide to get help? That's the thing, right? Like, do you decide to openly speak about this or do you decide to openly see someone like a, a, a therapist mm-hmm. or a psychiatrist about this? Because once it goes on record that you're seeing someone for this and you possibly are diagnosed yeah. with depression, there are some effects on this because me as a locums doctor or, or anybody who knows who's looked for a new job at a hospital, like one of the things, or even if you're looking, if you're trying to apply for a license in a state, mm-hmm. one of the things they ask you is, is have you, you know, had any issues with alcoholism or not, not alcoholism, but have you any issues with um, substance use, substance use, yeah. which and, includes alcoholism. Right. right. And have you uh, been treated for any type of medical issues that mm-hmm. may prevent you or quote unquote may harm you for, or what's the word I want to say? Well, basically hamper you from taking care of your patients. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that they put as an example, I look back, IE depression, mm-hmm. um, you know, other type of things that would be considered part of mental health. Right. So the question is knowing that, do you get help using your insurance so that it can decrease the cost of you seeing a psychiatrist? Do you pay out of pocket? Like there's all these different right. things do that nobody talks so about. Nobody can, right? can trace it. Right. Right. Or do you pay like you don't have as a medical student or maybe as a someone who's a pre-med right. or what have you like you don't have. You don't have the cash. You don't just have to be cash dishing to out this. to people. Right. And it, I mean, it's wrong. Right. Because here's the thing. Again, if you don't get treated, you're probably more of a threat to yourself as well as to your patients. So wouldn't you want to encourage people to get treated? Like this is what kills me is that. And then not only that, you have to put that, you have to list that down on your disability insurance on disability insurance applications. You got to put that on life insurance. I was on a Twitter chat and I was talking to folks and they were like, yeah, before I mentioned that part, they were like, oh yeah, damn right. I'm going to tell my insurance. Like if this job is, or if this profession is bringing me stress, then I'm going to use the insurance that I have. And I'm like, wait, Hold on a second. I, I agree with everything you're saying, but I'm just letting you know that when you there do are that, consequences. they are documenting this stuff and then right. you have to fill out. So how do you feel about that then? 
And they were like, well, yeah, I still feel the same way, but you know, well, maybe I got to start, you know, paying out of cash for this. I'm like, well, there, there you go. go. There you yeah, go. Out of pocket now. Mm-hmm. And that for me, it's just so wrong. It's just so wrong. Like it's so hypocritical in medicine for us to do things like that. You know, to say, well, if you get treated for depression, that you're not good enough to, you know, see patients or that you have to jump through so many different hoops in order to see patients. I just think that that's wrong. Yeah. And I think it manifests not even in just depression, you know, it manifests as burnout, which could probably be the beginning of the spectrum towards Mm -hmm. you know depression, possibly. That could be the reason why some people want to retire early, mm-hmm. which is why I went on that rant before about like people saying, well, why are you trying to retire early or why are you trying to save up to retire early? Just changes like but there are people who feel like they don't want to be a part of this or they want to limit how much time they're spending in medicine because it's good for their mental health. Right. You know, right. And they don't know if they can do anything else. Yeah. You know, so I think that's the thing. So for me, I think the biggest issue for me is just the judgment of folks, Mm -hmm. you know, and I definitely know people who will, you know, definitely vilify if someone went out and spoke publicly about this or maybe even told their partners, hey, listen, I can't do this right now. I need like two weeks off. Yeah. Or I need some time off. I was listening to um, you probably not familiar with the malice in the palace. Mm -mm. Um, But basically back in 2004, that's when the Indiana Pacers uh, run our test and. Uh, Steven Jackson and Jermaine O'Neal and some other players of the Indiana Pacers, they got into that brawl with uh, fans. So a fan threw something at Ron Artest Mm -hmm. and then he went into the stands and then it became this huge scruffle and fans came into the basketball court and then, you know, these players had to defend themselves and then it just became this huge issue of, you know, basically making these players to be, you know, basically like, what's the word I want to, they just put them in such a bad light that mm. really was very difficult for them to recover from this. And 10 years later, 15 years later, you know, a lot of them are still having issues with, it. but one of the things that was really interesting is Ron Artest, even at that time, Ron Artest was traveling to different games and going to these different road trips mm-hmm. with a psychiatrist, actually. Really? Yeah. He was going with a psychiatrist Really. and uh, one of his teammates who's was caught in a fight. His name is Jermaine O'Neal. He would saying that like there was times when, you know, Ron Artest would take a day off or take like a mental break. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had an issue with that because he's like, oh, you're not dedicated to playing. You're not dedicated to winning. Yeah. You know, we need to win and all mm-hmm. these different things. And um, it's like, hold on a second. The fact that I'm traveling with my psychiatrist shows that I'm actually dedicated because I could have just left. Right. But I didn't want to leave. I wanted to stay and I wanted to make sure that I was mentally all there because I want to have my head in the game. Like, see, this is what I'm saying. Like if he took time off to ice. Right. If he took time off to ice an injury, he wouldn't say that. Oh, you take time off to ice the injury, whatever. Right. If his trainer said, listen, you need to ice this injury and he wasn't doing it. His teammates would be like, yo, you need to ice this injury because if we go on that court, and you get re-injured, this is going to affect us. I don't understand why people don't see matters of mental health in the exact same way. Yeah, so 2004 and now is a long time ago. And I think it is. Definitely, definitely it is. Things, things have a changed. A lot of things have changed. Yes. And he even admits, he's like, yeah, I really wasn't the best teammate. And I didn't really understand the whole concept of him taking time off or doing all these different things. And one thing I want to say is, you know, people talk and they vilify Simone Biles, but one thing that they don't, people always forget about is Michael Jordan. What Paul happened? Paul Bunyan himself. What happened? Right? 
Mr. Second Best Player of All Time, NBA Player of All Time, <laughs> right? He took... You want a lot of hate mail, don't he you? He took a break. I already got it. He took a break in 1993 mm-hmm. after he won his third championship. And unfortunately, after his father was killed, he took a break, mm-hmm. saying that he needed a mental break. The motivation was Wasn't not there, there anymore. I remember that. And I do not remember him getting any of the hate. It was just like... well. People were empathetic because of the circumstance, right? Had his father not been killed. Remember, his father was missing for a while and then unfortunately was found, you know, to be killed. So people empathized with that to say, oh, well, if my parent, you know, if this happened with my parent, I would probably also take a break. However, had that not been the circumstance. But what does baseball have to do with that? Right. Like, that's the point where it's like, right. you know, because then, just... then he started. Yeah. Right. Because then he said he wanted to do baseball. Like, mm-hmm. there's no motivation in basketball. So I'm going to do find it in, you know, my childhood dream, which was baseball. But then and so people forth. also did talk about why are you going to baseball? Well, they said, why are you going to baseball? But nobody really vilified him for taking time off from basketball. Right. Right. But MJ Jordan did it. Right. Michael Jordan did it. Paul Bunyan, the one that everybody says is like the greatest of all time, which I still think is number two of all time. He did it. So, look, I think I think we're all I think the one thing from this, the big takeaway from this, everyone who's listening is that we're all human and we got to be good to each other. Yeah. Right? We got to offer each other grace. We got to remember that we're not robots mm-hmm. and that the vilifying, if you feel like something like that is coming from your partner, just know that that vilifying your partner or that sense is coming from how we were trained. Correct. And I will also add, it is coming also from a place that specifically, right, how we were trained, but specifically that more work will fall on you and therefore now you now vilify notes. Right. Now I got to see these. You vilifying that person is essentially your reaction to the fact that you have more work to do. But this is, you know, it's funny because there was a point at which I realized that part of the reason that I liked doing locums, one, was because I didn't necessarily have to put in all the work all the time. But two, it also allowed me to provide relief for other OBGYNs. Yeah, you feel like you're coming in to give them time off. Anybody who works with me, you know, especially at the hospital at which I work now, anybody who works with me knows, you know, the people that I work with, they do 24 hour shifts. I do 12 hour shifts and they always talk about splitting the night. Right. Like, you know, do you, you know, splitting the night after a certain amount of time, go to sleep and then we'll switch. Right. And I always tell them, I'm like, listen, it's your choice. You're the one that's here 24 hours. I'm here 12. Like I, I'm fine. Um, So whatever you want to do, you want to sleep all night because it's been a crazy day. Go ahead and sleep all night. I'll take care of the floor and call you as needed. So, you know, I think that that sentiment needs to kind of go throughout medicine because we, I think we owe that to each other and we owe that to our patients. Yeah. I think you said it best. I'm gonna leave it at that. So Guys, if you're listening and you are going through that right now and maybe you are at the end of your rope, you feel like there's no one to talk to, you're struggling and you really need some help. I just want to make sure that you guys know that there is help. There's the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. That number is 1-800-273-8255. We'll put this in the show notes. Once again, that number is 800-273-8255. There's also, I'm going to put this link in the show notes also, there's uh, multiple online free chats that you can just talk with someone online. Maybe that's your thing. I'm going to put that, I'm not going to put the long URL in the show, but it's in the show notes. And then also the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. 
This is a federally funded program. There's a national helpline there. Once again, that's the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, the national helpline, 1-800-662-HELP, H-E-L-P. Remember, guys, like we need each and every one of you all. If you feel like you need to take a step away from medicine, it is all good. We got your back. That's what Docs Outside the Box is here for you, for you to vent, for you to get away, and for you to, you know, maybe just think about life in a different form or fashion. That's part of the reason why the show was started is so that it can show you that there are different ways you know, that you can thrive and that you can have an impact. And maybe if medicine is not just, if medicine ain't doing it for you, listen to the show. We're going to give you some ideas to help you kind of think about those other things. But if you feel like, you know, it's more than that, if you feel like you need a lot more help, yep. just check out those numbers, those resources that we listed just before, all right? Yep. You want to say anything else before we bounce? No, I think that's the way we end the show. All right, y'all. We're going to continue to give you these type of episodes where we're talking about kind of some of the things that are happening in pop culture, try to relate it to the world of medicine. But we're going to continue to give you also episodes of doctors who are doing amazing things outside of medicine. You know, right here, we're talking about the three M's, which are money, mindset, and mission, all to give you more control over your lifestyle. So. Dr. Renee, you want to tell people how they can follow you? I'm on social media. Dr. Renee Darko, D-R-R-E-N-E-E-D-A-R-K-O. All right, guys. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast. We really appreciate it. Everyone who sent a review, we also appreciate you. And uh, continue to subscribe. Continue to leave reviews if you want to. We really, really appreciate it. All right. We'll catch you on the next one, y'all. Peace. Peace.